This is the Group Fitness Life Podcast, Episode 1. Hey everybody, welcome to the Group Fitness Life Podcast, one resource for all things group fitness related and a place to get to know some of the incredible individuals who make up this community. To find out more about Group Fitness Life and to take advantage of all the resources we provide, go to groupfitnesslife.com. I hope you enjoy this interview with Jen Bodner. All right. We are speaking with Jen Bodner, who is the co-founder and editor of Yoga Digest magazine. Good morning, Jen. How are you? Good morning, Tina. I'm doing well. Thank you. Well, I'm excited to talk to you because having known you for many years and in many different capacities, what is really inspiring about you is your journey and what you're doing right now with Yoga Digest. So I want to start by just going way back to the beginning and talking about what first got you into group fitness. And then along the way, I'd love to share how you and I met and just that transformation from you being a stay-at-home mom to teaching classes to then finding your love and your calling for yoga and what ultimately led you to starting Yoga Digest magazine. So let's begin with you telling me how did you find and get started in group fitness? Well, I was always extremely active. As a child, I did very dedicated dance performances and study, as well as a pretty competitive gymnast. It was a huge part of my life. I actually attended schools where it was part of the curriculum for me to practice gymnastics and study dance extensively. So movement has been a big part of my life as long as I can remember. And then fast forward through high school, dabbled in some sports and into college was on the dance team called the Strutters. So always just kind of found my way towards some type of activity, regardless of what stage I was in life. So after graduating from college, I didn't have any organized sports or dancing really to participate in. And I had a friend who was teaching, you know, step classes or something at the local gym in San Antonio where I was. And I was asking her about it. She kind of told me, yeah, you got to go and get a little certification and, and you can start teaching. So I found this little mom and pop operation in San Antonio. I didn't feel as comfortable going into the big corporate place that she was. And I found a lady who owned a studio called Purely Physical, and she actually taught like a one-day, eight-hour group fitness certification training. And I took it, and she put me on her schedule, and I started teaching a couple step classes a week for her right out of college. Wow. So you taught those step classes. And it's interesting that step was your first format because that's the hardest to teach. It is. (laughs) It is hard. But, you know, coming from a dance and gymnastics background, choreography and counting on the eights and things like that were supernatural to me. I mean, it really, I don't even have to think about it. I can get off beat for a moment and jump right back in. Mm -hmm. And really I say step, but high, low was, was the thing that was really popular around this time. Mm -hmm. And that was basically just like a a remedial dance class, if you will, (laughs) is kind of what it felt like. (laughs) 
Yeah. Now, and that's kind of the Jazzercise era, right? When Jazzercise Correct. first came out. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. So then how did you go from teaching high-low and step into at a small mom and pop place to getting into more of a corporate club environment? Well, like a lot of people, you know, you cut your teeth somewhere and you start to build your confidence a little bit. And I did desire to work at some other places. And so I went and took my, it was within probably that same first year that all this happened. I got my AFA certification way, way back in, you know, the mid nineties. And I did start teaching at a larger facility. It was called Racquetball and Fitness. They had several locations in San Antonio. And then I was exposed to all these different formats. And I started seeing strength classes that were really appealing and circuit classes that were really appealing. And then kickboxing kind of came into my life and they offered that certification and it just blew me away. I thought it was so fun and tough and so different from anything I had done before. It was so far away from dance in gymnastics. So I became obsessed with that and started, you know, just expanding my repertoire. So the next formats would be strength and then really, really got into the kickboxing craze right around that time. Nice. So what was the first, uh, well, you said that racquetball sports and fitness is where you went from the smaller gym. And so then what led you to go into it full time? I had my firstborn in 1998, and after he was born, I decided to stay home, and I didn't go back to my professional job, which was sales for uh, Clear Channel Communications. I did radio advertising sales. I call it BC, before children. And after he was born, I determined I was not going back to work. I wanted to stay at home with him, and that was all well and good, and it was great, but I still needed that interaction with the outside world. So teaching classes was a perfect way for one, for me to stay in shape and keep moving, which makes me happy. But two, just to have that adult interaction and that purpose of something other than, you know, your family life and your home life, which can be a little suffocating sometimes if you don't have, you know, healthy outlets unrelated to that. So it's really a perfect scenario. I mean, all of my kids, when they were born, it was like, I had to take some time off because they wouldn't take them in the childcare for like the first six weeks or eight weeks or something of their lives. But boy, I tell you, like the day we hit that mark, I was like, I'm ready to teach again. And uh, so it was something I was able to continue doing alongside raising a family. And it just, it was a slow, but very continuous consistent progression because I really never left it. Once I started, I never stopped. Nice. No, it's, it's been a great progression. And after several years of that, enter yoga, you know, at the same facility, we had these AFA certifications, which I know you remember, we have to keep up our credits. And Yoga Fit came through at the same club I was working at. I think it's called Spectrum now. It had been bought out. And I took my first yoga training because I was interested in, I practiced at home. I dabbled. I had a Rodney Yee DVD that I did. I never told anybody about, you know, when the kids were napping, I would go and sneak in and do my yoga practice. (laughs) And so when it came and they had a training, I thought, oh, I'm going to check this out. But 
after going through the weekend, I was teaching kickboxing at the time and they're like saying, oh, you know, there's no competition here and there's no judgment. And, you know, I'm like, I don't think I can talk like this in front of people and keep a straight face. I'm telling people like punch hard and kick. So I did get exposed to yoga very early in the game, but that was a really long, slow progression. And it would take close to a decade before I felt comfortable teaching yoga. Wow. So that's surprising that your yoga journey was this 10-year process. Tell me a little bit more about Yoga Fit. What was that certification like for you? So this was before, you know, yoga was on every street corner mm-hmm. and before everybody and their dog was a yoga teacher. Um, <laughs> you know, you just, it wasn't very popular back then. And so Yoga Fit had this theory that they would bring yoga into the gym, which is exactly how they got me and make it more gym friendly. So it wasn't, you know, uh, tons of spirituality and it wasn't, you know, a lot of definitely not speaking about the enlightenment and, and all of the other wonderful things that happen with yoga. It was very basic. It was very user-friendly and it was really a great model at the time for what they were trying to do. However, it is an evolution and there are so many different facets of yoga. It's important that you, you feel connected to your studies. And I honestly think that's why the evolution was so long because I was dancing around this being a a fitness thing, which it is, don't get me wrong. Yoga asana practice is very physical. Mm -hmm. However, there's seven other limbs that are part of yoga and those are lifelong journey. So you just can't rush those. So I'm I'm not frustrated. I just, I wasn't ready. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be authentic. It just took me a long time to find that authenticity. And it wouldn't be until I moved to Dallas, which is a completely different world group fitness and yoga wise, uh, that I really started to dive into teaching a lot more formats like cycle, which is definitely more of a mental experience. You know, you've really got to learn how to talk people through that kind of class. Mm -hmm. And I discovered lifetime fitness and that is where they spend a lot of time training their people. And I took a, I wound up taking a full-time job there. I think it was in 2010. 2010, I became a group fitness department head. Life changed. I got divorced. I was looking for full-time work and I took on that role. And that job really just required that I rise up and step up to a lot of challenges. Mm -hmm. But one Mm -hmm. of the great things about that was they offered to let me attend another yoga teacher training. And, um, I couldn't pass it up. I loved yoga. You know, I had been teaching for a couple years at this point and there was just a very different approach. Yoga had evolved. I had evolved by this time and it comes from a more introspective approach, the way that the training is, and it requires you to kind of search within you Mm -hmm. and find ways to share your gifts, your words, your encouragement in your own unique way. Whereas everything I had learned before was like, here is a set format. This is what you need to say. This is all you need to do. It was very structured. 
this was a little bit more open-ended, which requires you to, one, retain more, you know, when you have to put so much into it. And it makes you uncomfortable and vulnerable. And that, of course, makes you grow. So Mm -hmm. I credit a lot of my yoga growth to being able to repeat yoga teacher training, not once, but then I got the opportunity to do it. Oh, a couple of years later, I was offered a, an opportunity to become a facilitator teaching yoga teacher training. And I got to go through the training for a third time. And that was probably the one that just broke me down <laughs> completely <laughs> and then was kind of born again. And after that experience, I would leave my role as a group fitness department head and pursue yoga full time. So I came to where I was just teaching some group fitness classes and yoga, but I was also teaching YTT, yoga teacher training for a lifetime. I remember watching you go and become a group fitness department head at Lifetime. And you started teaching all of those classes. And like you said, it just required you to step up in, in terms of your formats that you put yourself into. And for a while there, you were the triathlete girl. You were the cycle, the hardcore cyclist. And I just remember being so impressed with that. Uh, you were very inspirational. And uh, I enjoyed watching that part of your life. And then I remember the shift that you went through. And I don't know if you would say, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are. Do you feel like you shifted from that cycling, triathlete, endurance, sport perspective into the yoga world? Or do you feel like that's still very much a a part of you? And um, share your thoughts about that a little bit. You know, so I found triathlon, ironically, around the time that my marriage was falling apart. And um, I always say, people doing that stuff. They're running from something. I don't know what it is, but Mm. especially people who get into those longer, long, long distances. (laughs) And I'm not saying that they all have marriage problems, but I'm saying there is definitely something they are chasing Mm. because you have to be so completely dedicated and driven to that sport because it requires so much of your time if you're going to do it competitively. It was a huge release for me. I think I had just gotten to that point where I was really bogged down with my responsibilities and it gave me an opportunity to achieve and accomplish something that I had to work really hard for. And then to see those results just like that was so empowering, but also so addictive And it's a huge mental game. So to answer your question in regards to how, you know, I really do believe that was part of my yoga evolution. I mean, when you're swimming in deep, dark water for, you know, 40 minutes, you have a lot of time (laughs) to think. And it really requires you to go in in so many levels. You know, it's like what's below this water. I just got kicked in the face you know, you're way out there, you're far away from the shore. And then same thing, you go and you get on your bike and you're alone and it's a mental game. And you just have to literally sit there and talk to yourself through each process. And then you finish it out with a run. And by that point, I mean, you're exhausted and now you're using your legs and a higher heart rate when you do something like running. So it's a just as much a mental sport as it is physical 
and I was, you know, along the same side practicing yoga and, and I would literally sit in my yoga classes and have to visualize not panicking during my triathlons, especially things like the swim and through that fatigue and stuff that starts to take over your mind if you let it. But then I did leave the sport ultimately. And it was just because, you know, I found other interests. My yoga evolution really started to grow and, and I, I became very passionate. I got to go to a Wanderlust festival out in Squaw Valley, which was a life-changing event because I had never seen so many people come together collectively that were that much into not just yoga, but the whole lifestyle of yoga, you know, throughout my trainings, practice things like eating a vegan diet, refraining from things like caffeine and alcohol, and just kind of seeing this um, whole world of like people who are conserving and care about, you know, the consumerism and the waste of our natural resource sources. There was just so many elements that really started to interest me. And that's where I started to put my focus. And that was kind of when the evolution of the Yoga Digest was beginning. I had met my, he started out as my acro yoga partner, who is now my co-founder and business partner, and that's Cody. And, you know, we would have these conversations about all these elements. Yes, yoga was cool and, and awesome. A part of it was awesome. But there was all these other elements that society is just overlooking. And I'm not saying yoga is the only gateway to discover that. But for me, yoga was definitely what opened my eyes to all of the things that were, I won't even say wrong in the world. I'll just say that were wrong in my life that I was unhappy with and that I needed to make a significant change. So when did that journey take the front seat? When did Yoga Digest become what you wanted to focus on and put the majority of your time and energy into? You know, all the stuff sort of seemed to escalate at the same time. I left triathlon really competitively. I decided to become a yoga teacher, trainer. I decided to leave the group fitness world. I went and I took that training. I came back. That was right around the time that we launched Yoga Digest. So this was, what, two and a half years ago, next May, let's see, we're in December. So May will be, yeah, three years that that, uh, that, that happened. And, um, it's been great. You know, we talked a little bit offline just about the evolution of everything, right? I mean, the endings are just another word for beginnings. And even here on the yoga digest journey, you know, we have evolved and changed and, and grown and it's been challenging, but it's been really nice. I mean, I think that for me, it's very easy to fall into that structure again, you know, kind of like the yoga fit teacher training, kind of like the management position at lifetime, you know, you start to get really caught up triathlon, the sport, those people, those workouts, you start to get really caught up in it. And then, you know, you clip through your wings a little bit and you, you take flight and it's scary. I'm not saying it's been like, oh, all my problems got solved when I, you know, took this big leap of faith. 
it just was a different way of feeling empowered and it is self-discovery at the end of the day. And I think that I am just one of those people that kind of need that independence in order to grow. If I don't have it, I just shut down. I can become very shut down. So it's fun. It's fun for me to get to, you know, do what I do to try really ultimately to bring out the same exact suffering that I was having, try to bring that up and share that in other people as well. And that's what a lot of our stories are focused on are people that are overcoming challenges with people that are doing really scary, great things that seem impossible at first, but they are able to have some success. And, you know, by being inspirational themselves, they're inspiring other people. You know, we all suffer. We all feel the exact same vulnerabilities. And when we can see that other people have been through it and overcome it, it wakes you up. It's like, oh, okay, wait a minute. If they can get through that, you know, maybe I can too. And I feel that way about everything, you know, from the whole group fitness thing. Teaching group fitness classes was terrifying to me, you know, 15 years ago or 18 years ago, however long it's been. And uh, having children was super scary and racing in triathlons was super scary and leaving corporate America to, you know, start my own company was super scary. And, And it still is. But, you know, that's just that's what I need in my life to keep me going, to keep me motivated is a little bit of that fear and that doubt and that unknown. You know what I mean? Absolutely. How many classes a week are you teaching right now? Right now? I have six regular classes a week, six regular classes a week. And, and then the rest of the time I, you know, I do a little bit of managing at the studio, just kind of comes naturally at one of the uh, lifetime yoga studios here in Dallas. And then the rest of the time I spend working on yoga digest. A lot of the time is spent on the phone, just like this, not always being interviewed, but lots of talking, you know, lots of conversations like this. And, you know, just finding really great content for the platform. We're going through a huge rebrand right now, shifting our focus to just more of a digital experience and trying to expand our reach that way Um, and just touch more lives. That's all we want to do is, is reach more people, touch more lives, build our community, empower more people to make those changes that are so uncomfortable and so scary, but so necessary for everybody's betterment, you know? Absolutely. And I just see such a great connection between where you've come from in that group fitness environment, teaching classes to moving into a full-time management role in the group fitness arena to stepping into your yoga practice and then taking that all the way to creating Yoga Digest. That connection and that evolution that you've gone through, I think so many people can relate to whether they are living that right now or whether that's what they want to have happen in their lives. What are you most excited about in the new year in regards to Yoga Digest and the yoga community? Well, we, like I said, we're expanding. And so we're going to be doing some podcasts, which is the same exciting stuff we've always been doing. We've been interviewing people by phone. And then just typically transcribing those interviews and putting them into print, either for online or in the magazine. We'll start doing those kind of like you're doing here for people to listen to when they're en route in their cars on the go. 
And then another really exciting part is I had the opportunity to partner with a recording studio here, a video recording studio here in motion imagery. And we are going to start creating video content. Same kind of thing, just inspirational tips, maybe eventually some interviews like this that'll be recorded and featuring that on the website. So I have to say I'm super excited about those two elements, but also our expansion. You know, I feel like we've been in the building phase for the last two and a half years, and now we've gotten to a point where people know who we are. A lot of people know who we are, and it's just a matter of refining and, you know, staying fresh and new and interesting. So again, it's a huge shift, you know, I mean, I've been hiding behind, you know, my laptop for the last two and a half years and just putting words out there for people to read, but it's a lot different when you're putting words out there that people are not only going to hear from your mouth during a podcast, but also being there on video, like standing there (laughs) as true and as vulnerable as you can be Mm. speaking your truth. It's really a, a scary, but exciting place to be. So I'm super excited about that. Just owning what, what I've been trying to say all these years, owning it. Absolutely. Now, will the video, which sounds really, really cool, will that be more interview style or will it be you teaching and leading yoga classes? No, we are not going to go into the instructional part of that at this time. We feel like there is truly a lot of that out there. If we do, it would probably be more for special populations, which is a big soft spot for us. A lot of what's being shared with yoga is makes people think you have to be super strong, super flexible, and it makes people, a lot of people feel like they just can't do yoga. Mm-hmm. So if we were to get into that instructional space, it would be very targeted more towards the beginner, more towards either the, the young kids yoga or the elderly, you know, senior yoga, which is there's just a lot of lack in those areas. But mostly what we're focusing on initially is just the, the inspirational tips, you know, on how how to be happy, how to find more peace in your life. You know, you don't have to do a yoga pose. You don't have to do a triathlon to feel strong. There's simple practices each day, gratitude, things like that, just little reminders. Mm-hmm. And then um, we'll go into the interviews, which will be talking to people who are just aligned with our mission mm-hmm. of, you know, awakening Uh, this inner spirit that lives within all of us, but so often is hidden through things like fear Mm. and doubt. So that'll be more of our context to start. Well, I'm looking forward to watching that and seeing that grow. I think that's so important and so necessary. Where can people find more information about Yoga Digest and your podcast and your upcoming videos? You can go to yogadigest.com and we're super excited. We're going to actually streamline everything we're doing into a nice little app that you can download on your phone, on your laptop, and just house everything right there. But all of that can be accessed at yogadigest.com. You can find all of our content and you can get signed up for the app there coming soon in probably late January. Nice, nice. Well, Jen, thank you again so much for agreeing to do this interview when 
I first had the idea to do a podcast, you were the first person that came to my mind that I wanted to talk to because, again, you've been so inspirational in in walking your truth. And as I have known you all these years and followed you and, and just always been incredibly inspired by your being authentic and true to yourself. And I would have to say that that's also played a role in inspiring me. So thank you so much Aww. for being a part of it. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. It's feeling so mutual, Tina. And thank you so much for for having me as your guest. I feel so honored. Thanks. My pleasure. Well, we'll all be looking forward to following Yoga Digest and seeing where you go. So I will talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Take care, Tina. Thanks. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. My conversation with Jen is one of our stories of inspiration. Jen started out in group fitness teaching classes. She then turned that into a full-time career where she went into managing corporate group fitness. And from there, she found and discovered her love for yoga. At which point, along the way, she decided to leave her full-time job and take that jump, take that leap, which caused her to create Yoga Digest magazine. We're really excited for Jen and for where Yoga Digest magazine will go and the resource that it will provide and the information it will provide to the audience. Sure to join us next week when we talk to Nicholas Jacobs. He is an international presenter, a YouTube star personality, a studio owner, a choreographer, a judge, and a group fitness instructor. And he has created his own brand and become very successful in his group fitness business. So for now, thank you so much for listening to the Group Fitness Life Podcast.